Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Rodney Loper is the president of God's Bible School and College in Cincinnati, Ohio. At the time of this recording, he was pastor of Hope Sound Bible Church in Hope Sound, Florida. I know that you're going to enjoy this wonderful message. And uh, I'm a little nervous. You all make me you you all make me nervous. And I don't know why. Have you ever been there before where you're kind of nervous, your hands are kind of clammy, and uh, you have that uneasy feeling down in your stomach, and you don't know, you really don't know why, because you're just common people, right? Right? Well, it's going to be a long sermon, Brother Malloy. I can't get any interaction this morning. So I'm just a little intimidated. You see, the reason I think that I'm intimidated is because uh, it's because that um, I, I pastor in Hope Sound, Florida. And uh, is, this, is this working? Thank you. I, I'm pastoring in Hope Sound, Florida. I'm the senior pastor. Now, I want you to understand that has nothing to do with my age. It has everything to do with the age of my congregation. Because I'm a, a senior pastor, that simply means I pastor a whole lot of senior people. And so when I look out in a congregation and I start to preach, I'm used to seeing white hair, not brown and blonde and what I see today. I'm used to seeing old people. And so I'm a, I'm a little, well, there are some college students there that are not quite as old as some of the others. But, but if, you did a, if you did an average, it'd be an older congregation. It's a great joy to be here today, and aren't you glad to be in, in time of discovery? Oh, you guys got to do better than that. Help me out this morning. Aren't you glad to be in time of discovery? All right, that is great. Thank you so much. How many have ever heard the name Barry Bonds? How many like baseball? All the guys here like baseball, right? Uh, most of the guys here like baseball. The ladies, you know, you just kind of put up with it. You listen to your boyfriend talk. You listen to your friends talk. But Barry Bonds is kind of a big name in baseball, isn't he? I mean, because somebody just said, somebody just yelled, because of steroids. And I happen to agree with that. Uh, but, but there's a cloud that overshadows Barry Bonds because on August the 7th 2007 Barry Bonds hit home run number who knows the number oh come somebody's saying 756 and it broke Hank Aaron's record and most of the talk was not about the record most of the talk that surrounds Barry Bonds is whether or not that record should stand why? Because Barry Bonds, they say, he's never admitted to it, they say that he used steroids. 
And so sports guys and sports analysis and sports broadcasters and all of those kind of people say that his name, if it goes into the record book, should be accompanied by an asterisk. And you remember the story, don't you? You remember a rich guy by the name of Mark Echo. Mark Echo bought the baseball that Bonds hit into the bleachers. And, and he took that ball and he had an internet poll. Do you remember what the poll was? The internet poll was that he wanted to see what the fans here in the United States wanted him to do with that baseball. And overwhelmingly, the fans that voted on that website suggested that he brand that baseball with an asterisk. And so, Mr. Echo took that baseball that's worth who knows how much, and he got a brand, and he branded the side of the baseball with an asterisk. And then, in his generosity, he gave it to the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so today, if you're to go to Cooperstown, you would see Barry Bonds' baseball. You'd see the home run record, 756. But you'd also see a baseball with an asterisk on the side of it. Kind of proving a point, isn't it? Why? Because there's a cloud of doubt that hangs over Barry Bonds. Perhaps this morning I'm talking to some people who know just a little bit about the cloud of doubt. No, you've never been in a ballpark. You've never had the experience of, of jacking one out of the ballpark and seeing it go into the bleachers. You're never going to come close to breaking Hank Aaron's record, at least realistically in your dreams you might. But you're never going to break that record and... I'm talking about those here this morning who live with some doubt in their life. You know, the song that Brother McCarty just finished singing a few moments ago perhaps didn't ring true in your heart because you remember a time when you took the candy. You remember a time when you weren't exactly honest with those who were looking on. You remember a time when you felt like no one else was seeing what you were going to do, that you did some things that now you're ashamed of. There's doubt. When I hear Brother McCarty sing that song, I'm reminded of a devious transaction that took place down in the basement of the home where I grew up. Now, you don't know me, most of you, but, but I, have, uh, I, c I come from a fairly big family, family uh, a fairly large family, uh, and um, I, uh, I had two older brothers. My oldest brother, Randy, passed away a couple years in a drowning accident, and, and my, my next brother, Robbie's right down. Rob, why don't you stand? I want to embarrass you. Stand up. I have the microphone this time. All right, this is Rob. All right, yes, yes. Yeah. You don't know him either. You wouldn't be clapping. No, just kidding. Well, anyway, Rob was, Rob's was into Dave Ramsey before Dave Ramsey existed. And I wasn't. I'm still not into Dave Ramsey. But no, I'm just kidding. I try to be. But uh, Rob saved his money. And, uh, and I didn't. Whenever mom and dad wanted to go to the store, I would go to my little piggy bank that grandma and grandpa got us for Christmas, and I would steal all of my change out of it, you know, all the silver. 
You take the dimes and the nickels and the quarters. You go to Kmart or Walmart or whatever it happened to be, and you buy matchbox cars and Reese cups and ices and all of the good things that you want to buy. Well, one day I went down to my piggy bank and I opened that thing up and I had nothing in it except pennies. I don't know if you're like me, but I don't want to go to the counter at Walmart and count out a hundred pennies for a pack of gum. So I knew Rob. He was a whole lot more reserved than I was in his, uh, in his saving. And he decided early on he wasn't going to just collect any change. He was collecting dimes. And so every time he'd get a dime, he'd put it in that little piggy bank. And, and I knew that. And so I was really wanting some Reese cups. I was really wanting a Mountain Dew. And so I reached over to his piggy bank and I opened it up and it was packed full of dimes. Oh, it was a wonderful treasure hunt that day when I emptied that thing out. I took all the pennies out of mine. I put them in his, put his back where it belonged. And I had change. <laughs> and I had a great time spending it. I enjoyed every dime that I spent. Rob, I did. And one day, one day, Rob decided that he had saved money long enough. And so he opened his piggy bank, and guess what he found? Not hundreds of dollars in dimes. He found hundreds of pennies instead. In the interim, I lived with a cloud of doubt over me. Why is that? No one, no one, he didn't see that transaction. My other brother didn't see the transaction. My sisters didn't see the transaction. No, only God saw what happened underneath the stairs down in the basement in our house. And God has His way of reminding us where we are. God has His way of reminding us what we've done. God has His way of reminding us of the sins that we have committed. And some of you here this morning know what I'm talking about when I talk about living under a cloud of doubt. And can I say, can I say that many times those who are, hello, should I say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth? I don't know. Wow. Any anyway, where was I? We live, there are many people who live under a cloud of doubt. Now, let me, let me stop there long enough to say some people live under a cloud of doubt because of what they've done, like me. You've stolen, you've lied, you've cheated, you've swindled, you've done something, you've spoke wrongly of someone. You live under a cloud of doubt because of that. There are other people who live under a cloud of doubt because by nature they're a doubter. Do you see the difference? There are some people who live with doubt because they have uh, insecurities, because they're not really outgoing, because they're really timid and they're shy and they're sensitive, and so they, they have a little bit of doubt in their life. Some people are continually taking their spiritual pulse. Now, before some of you pastors, youth pastors who are here throw me out, you remember the story of John the Baptist, don't you? John the Baptist, he had run out in front of Jesus saying, hey, prepare the way, this is the Messiah, he's the greatest thing to come, you need to follow him, don't worry about me, follow this guy, follow Jesus. But you remember when John the Baptist is in prison, 
what happens? He sends his followers and he says to Jesus, as his followers ask Jesus, are you really the Christ? Are you really Messiah? Now hold on for just a minute. John the Baptist, Jesus says that John the Baptist is the greatest saint who's ever lived. And yet the greatest saint who has ever lived is asking if Jesus really is the Son of God. Can you say that's doubt? Yeah. And some of you may happen to be just a little bit like John the Baptist. You know all the right things. You know everything that you should know. But there's just a little bit of doubt. And there are some here this morning, probably more than even I realized this morning, there are some who are sitting there saying, am I really a Christian? Now, I know, I know that there are some saying, Rodney Loper, what do you mean? You can know you're a Christian. No, stay with me. There are some people like John the Baptist who are sitting here this morning saying, I'm not so sure. I really don't know. I, I really, I don't know if I'm a Christian. And, and the reason that I arrived at that conclusion that there are people here who don't really know is because in my short time as a pastor, I've had countless people come to me and say, Pastor, how do I know I'm a Christian? Isn't that scary? It's scary to me, but it's real. And the reason that perhaps they're in that position is because there's a couple presuppositions uh, that are involved in that question. The first is this, is that there has to be some kind of specific feeling that comes into our lives when we're saved. Right? You have to feel a certain way. And so we expect for certain feelings to happen. We expect for certain things to happen. And so when Brother Malloy got saved, I, I was there. He raised his hands. He shouted. He ran three laps around the church, and he had a glorious time. I don't really feel that way. I, I really wasn't there. But I didn't feel that way. And so am I saved? I mean, after all, if he did that and he was saved and I didn't do that, then I must not be saved. How many have ever had that kind of logic in your head? Raise your hand. Oh, we have some honest people. The other presupposition uh, that's involved in that question is we're looking for something to know that we're saved. I, I, can I be honest with you for just a moment this morning? I wish that when people got saved, that God would say, Zzz, and they'd light up, and we'd say, hey, that dude just got saved. Wouldn't that, man, that would be great. I mean, that would be exciting. And then when that person came around in a couple weeks, and, and they said, you know, I'm not so sure. No, 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 you lit up like a light bulb just a little while ago. I was there. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not the way it works. It's not the way it happens. We may not feel like so-and-so. We may not have the emotions that someone else had. It may not be that way. Can I let you in on a little secret this morning? If you won't tell anybody, I love roller coasters. How many love roller coasters? The bigger they are, the better they are. The steeper the drop. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? 
You're up there in the front seat. You've got to be in the front seat. You're up there in the front seat and your feet are dangling over nothing. The restraints are against your chest. And you know, you know that in just a second you're going to drop. Woo! And, wow, I love roller coasters. You know, I like roller coasters better than I like bungee jump. How many have ever bungee jumped? I, I've, I've done that. It was all right. You know, you just jump off this platform and you bounce a few times and then it's over. Now, bungee jumping, it's, it's okay. I'd probably do it again sometime, but that's eh, not a big deal. But roller coasters, wow, because you have the first drop and you have seven loops and you have this and you have that, and it's exciting. My brother-in-law, Phil. Now, I need to tell you a little bit about Phil. Phil is as laid back as a turtle. He, I'm telling you, he's about that far from a coma right now. You can be walking down the road with him and say, Phil, a snake! And he'd say, wow, isn't that pretty? I'm already 100 yards that way. Phil, a bear! Oh, wow, he has big claws. He's that way. He's just laid back. And so he loves roller coasters as much as I do. And every once in a while, our family gets season passes to Silver Dollar City out in, out in uh, where is it, Missouri. And, uh, and we get in there, and, and I don't care about all these little candle shops and blacksmith shops and all of those things that the ladies, I, I go straight to the roller coaster. Now, they're not real big there, but hey, anything will suffice when you need to on a roller coaster and so Phil and I'll race to the roller coasters and we'll get on and one day it was a little drizzly out kind of rainy kind of cool and hardly anyone else was at that park and literally we rode got back they said you can stay there we rode got back seven eight ten I don't know how many times we rode that in a row we tried the front seat, the second seat, the third seat, the fourth seat, the fifth seat, last seat. Oh, it was great. We just kept riding and riding and riding, and, and uh, it was great fun. And if you would stop me when I got off of that ride and say, hey, Rodney, how did you enjoy that ride? I would say, wow, that was awesome. That was cool. That was sweet. The front seat is the best. You've got to ride in the front seat. In fact, the middle seat in the front row is the best seat on this entire ride. You ask Phil, he'd say, yeah, it's all right. What do you mean? We just rode the same ride. Oh, it's all right. Phil, it was great fun. No, it was okay. Why is that? We rode the same exact ride, and yet we had totally different opinions about and reactions to that ride. You know, that can happen in the spiritual world, too. You can ride the same ride, if you will. You can have the same experience that I have. You can have your sins forgiven as much as my sins are forgiven. And yet at the same time, your description of that may be different. You with me this morning say, right. Oh, you can do better than that. Right. That sounds better. Now, I want to be clear this morning. I, I do want to be clear this morning. If you haven't confessed your sins and repented of your sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then forget about everything I just said.
because you're not a Christian. And you need to go to an altar and confess your sins. But if you've confessed your sins, you've sought forgiveness for sins, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to listen and say, you know what, I have some doubt, but I'm going to claim the promise of Christ. Amen? 1 John, in chapter 2, is a beautiful book that is written to prove the deity of Jesus Christ. The first epistle was written so that we would know that that we are saved and that we pass from darkness into light. And so in this first epistle of 1 John, of five chapters and 105 verses, the, the subject of assurance is clearly stated. We can know that we are saved. Now, I want to quickly give a couple of reasons why some people struggle with doubt. The first reason that a person struggles with doubt is because perhaps it's inherited. Your father was a skeptic. Your mother was a doubter. Your grandmother just had to see it to believe it. You come from the doubting Thomas side of the disciples. You inherited doubt, but can I remind you that if that's the case, you don't have to hold on to that. Because, because anyone who is in doubt and encourages or feeds that doubt will always remain unsettled spiritually. Did you catch that? Anyone who encourages or feeds doubt will continually have a doubting experience. Sometimes it's inheritance. Sometimes it's due to ignorance. If a person has not read the epistle of John and they have questions and and they really don't know, if a person's never read the Gospels, then they might doubt the deity of Christ. They may doubt all of this. Perhaps they've heard with their ears, but they haven't seen with the eyes of their heart. Sometimes it's inherited. Sometimes it's because you're, you're ignorant. And I don't mean you're dumb. I just mean you don't know. Sometimes it's due to stubbornness. You just choose to be that way. I, can I be honest with you? Most of the people that I deal with fall into the stubborn category. Hello? They do. They choose. I, I can count. You know, I get... Are there any... Is Andrew Graham here? Are there any counselors here? Can I be honest with you guys? I get a little tired of counseling. You know why? Because I give advice and people don't follow it. It'll make you go insane. Okay, you feel bad, do this, this, and this, and come see me tomorrow. They come tomorrow, how are you feeling? Terrible. Oh, did you do one? No. Well, then get out of my office. That's what I want to say, but you can't say that as fast. You have to say, oh, okay. Well, I have some advice. Do one, two, three. Next day. How are you feeling? Terrible. Did you do what I... No. Get out of my office! That's what I... But you can't do that. Because they're stubborn. Okay. Let's forget that for a minute. Now I want to ask you a question. Go back to where we started. We've covered a lot of ground, and I'm going to quickly talk about how do I know I'm a Christian. If you're a doubter this morning, and you've ever asked this question, I want you to stay with me. How do we know we're a Christian? First John tells us in chapter 4, verse 15, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. 
1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. That is a big convoluted way for the King James Version to say, hey, if you live in Christ, if you love him, then he lives in you, and that love is reciprocated to you. Why is that? How can we get there? Because of our confidence in his word. The confidence comes from the knowledge that he is who he said he is, that he does what he says he will do, and that you and I can trust him completely. Can you trust Christ? Say, right. All right, I need some volunteers, at least two. People I don't know. Guy in the red tie right there, that girl was grabbing you. Yeah, you, yeah. you look like a good candidate. I need another one. Do I know? What about, i got to be an equal opportunity uh, person, so i got to get a lady. That girl with, had her hand up early with glasses. Uh, yes, you, the one that's doing this. Yeah, this. You. Good. You had either one. Which one? Both of them have glasses. Both were doing this. Hey, how are you guys figure it out, fight it out, let me know how it comes out. I'm Rodney. What's your name? Jeffrey. Jeffrey what? McDowell. Where are you from? Penn's Creek, Pennsylvania. Uh oh. One of those. How are you doing? What's your name? Audrey Stevenson. Audrey, where are you from, Audrey? Uh, Virginia. Where? South Boston, Virginia. S South Boston, Virginia. Now, you're about to confuse a guy from this area, you know. <laughs> Come over here. Come over here. All right. I brought, I brought some stuff with me today. And uh, I brought some baseballs just kind of in, in remembrance of Barry Bonds. You know who Barry Bonds is, right? I just told the story. <laughs> All right, everybody stand. You're dismissed. I'm doing a terrible I'm just kidding. All right. Here you go. Now, here's what I, here's, here's what I want to do. All right. I'm not going to embarrass you, I don't think. You could embarrass yourself, but I'm not going to embarrass you. Isn't that great? That's, that's great. Okay. All right. So what I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a free gift if you can throw that thing past the first row. Now, now, ladies are first, though, okay? Just get ready. Stretch. Yeah, all right. All right, I'm going to give you a free gift if you can pat. Just get past that first row, okay? I'm going to give you, it's going to be worth your effort, okay? Uh, all right, now, what, are you left-handed or right-handed? Okay, so watch that mic. To come to, here, here, let's move this. Sorry, sound guys, we're about to destroy ooh, everything up here. All right. Now, don't fall off the edge. That'd be terrible. Clear that first row. All right, hold on. How many things she can do it? All right. Just, I, now, listen. Just clear that front row. All right. All right. All right. Oh, she cleared. Try again. Make sure it clear that thing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh. Okay, stay right there. 
Now, do you think you can clear that? I mean, she, she, she cut it close. Now, listen, if you cut it that close, you know what everybody's going to think. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Now, now, watch the edge. Watch the edge. Whoa, now, now do it again. Just make sure it's not a fluke. Oh, no, do it again. Now, now, can you do just a little better, you think? That last one was, can I say, pathetic? All right, all right, do a little better. Ah! She plays baseball for the Cincinnati Reds. Let me see. Oh, you barely. <laughs> Woo! All right, I want, can you redeem yourself? Do you want to try? All right. You did well the first time. You just, just relax, think about it, but not too much. Don't fall, don't fall. Go! Yes! She did it! Whoa! There you go. Both of them get $5. Thank you so much. Don't you wish you'd have raised your hand? I'm broke. I'm broke. Dave Ramsey says no more. Now, it is interesting, isn't it, that these people, I've already forgotten their names, Jeffrey and Aubrey, or Audrey, or Cincinnati Red. Isn't it interesting that they tried with everything that they had to get it past the first row? She, I mean, she did. She didn't succeed, but um, she tried. But, oh, Jeffrey, man, buff Jeffrey, he cleared barely that one time, I do have to say. He plays for the Pirates, but barely cleared. <laughs> Why is it? That when I tell you to throw the ball to pass a certain line, that you try with everything in you. But sometimes in God's Word, when God's Word says, get past this line, that we just barely try. You with me? You just... Is there anybody have a ball that they can throw to me, one of those? Can you reach? Oh, You know, we look out. I've got to hurry. I've got to get this stuff. You know, some of you, thank you for throwing those back. Some of you say, you know, this altar thing is the line that God requires. And some of you are saying, ah, man, just try it again. Yes, I hit it. But you see, you're not interested in going beyond what God has required. Can I say that if you're a Christian, you have a desire in your heart to do more than just getting by. You have a confidence on Him and His Word. And you say in your heart, Lord, whatever you require of me, I am willing and ready and wanting to do what you've required of me. I don't want to just, I don't want to just do enough to appease my conscience. I don't want to just do enough to get by. I don't want to just do enough to make people think that I'm trying to be a Christian. As a Christian, I want to do everything that is in my power, everything that is within my 
my being, everything that is within me to do all for the glory of God. But some of us are just kind of throwing at it. Like our Cincinnati Red. I'm just kidding. The other interesting thing about this is these guys didn't know me, and yet they were willing to come, risking being embarrassed to come stand with me. Why? Because I promised them something at the end. And we have a God in heaven who has promised us eternal life with Jesus Christ. A beautiful home in heaven. A place where there is no mourning. A place where there is no tear. There are no tears. A place where there are no goodbyes. A place where there is no sickness. A place where we're going to be home forever. There's going to be no temptation. And we give it a half-hearted effort when we know that He's promised it to us. Can I say to us this morning that as a Christian, we want to do everything in our power for the glory of God so that one day we can inherit that home on high. One day we can spend eternity with Him. One day we can know that we're safe forevermore. Why? Because we're dwelling with Him in eternity. But some are just playing games. Just trying enough to get by. How do I know I'm a Christian? By my confidence on Him and His Word. By my obedience and love to Him. Do you know that the longer I'm a pastor, the more that I study God's Word, the more I realize that it is obedience that is the key. It's obedience that's the key. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, here to tell you that God's not going to require something more of you than it's in God's Word, but can I say a good place to start is God's Word? Don't worry about God calling you to Africa. Don't worry about God calling you to uh, ten buck two somewhere. Just worry about obeying God's word and then let the rest come if it comes. I mean, after all, if I'd have known God was going to call me to Hope Sound, I'd have been Jonah. You're supposed to laugh. That's a joke. By obedience and love to Him. Hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Third, not only is it by our obedience, but it's by our love. There's a story of a young American engineer who was sent to Ireland by his company. It was a two-year assignment. He had accepted it because it would enable him to earn enough to marry his longtime girl. How many boyfriend and girlfriends are here? Raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Y'all pathetic. Pathetic. A two-year assignment. And he accepted it because it would be enough money that he'd have enough money in the bank that he could marry this great gal. And she had a job in Tennessee and couldn't leave. And so he went over to, he went over to Ireland and uh, their plan was to put their money together after two years. They'd have enough down payment to purchase their dream home. And they wrote often at first. But as the lonely weeks went by, the girlfriend began, uh, began to express doubt that perhaps this guy over in Ireland wasn't really being faithful, you know what I mean, to his beautiful bride back in Tennessee. And so the young engineer, she wrote that to him, and the young engineer wrote back and he said, baby, I want you to know that I love you. 
You're the greatest thing since ice cream. You're the greatest. You're the sweetest thing since honey buns. You're, you know, just that kind of stuff. He said, uh, I, I want you to understand that you're all of that and that there are times, just very few times, that I have been tempted to look at some of those beautiful Irish girls. But I fight it, and I'm keeping myself committed to you. In the, next, in the next mail, the engineer received a package. It contained a note from his girlfriend back in Tennessee, but it also contained a harmonica. She said, I'm sending this to you so that you can learn to play it and have something to take your mind off of all of those beautiful Irish girls. The young engineer replied, thank you so much for the harmonica. I'm practicing on it night and day, thinking of you. Oh. At the end of two years, the engineer was transferred back to the United States, and he took the first plane that he could catch down to Tennessee to be reunited with his girl friend of so long. Her whole family was there at the airport like a soldier coming home almost. And he rushed up getting ready to give her a big old hug and a big slobbery kiss. Well, maybe not slobbery. But before he could do it, she held up a restraining hand and said sternly, just hold on a minute there, Billy Bob. Before any serious hugging and kissing gets started here, let me hear you play that harmonica. Some of you here like to come to IHC. You like to dress like everyone else that is going to be here. You go to church and you fit in just so-so at church. All you express your love for your God, you express your love for your church, your pastor, whoever, whatever. But you haven't been practicing the harmonica. You there? And can I remind you that we're known by Christ when we have confidence on Him and His Word, by our obedience to Him, and by doing what He's required of us and demonstrating love to Him. If you love Him, you'll play the harmonica. No, Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says if you love Him, you'll keep His commandments. But my translation says today, if you love Him, play the harmonica. You with me? Amen? Right? Right. We know we're a Christian. What's the first one? By our confidence on Him and His Word. Second one is by love and obedience to Him. And third is by our habits. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. That's pretty easy, isn't it? If you're running around lying and cheating and stealing and cussing and doing all those things, listen, you're not a Christian. That may be new to some. That's what God's Word says. Right? Oh, come on. Oh, you guys are going to give me a complex. Right? Oh, that's better. Another, fourthly, is by our interest in others for Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death 
into life because we love the brethren. Look at that person sitting next to you and say, I love you. No, 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 everyone didn't do that. I want you to look at the person beside you and say, I love you. Now stop kissing. Some of you are liking that. You can stop. You can stop. I know. You know what? I may have just been a Cupid and made some couples come together. <laughs> we as Christians are known for our love one towards another. You know, there are many people out there looking for some kind of assurance that they're going to heaven. In 2006, let me back up. How many saw the headlines yesterday that uh, Warren Buffett has cancer? Did you see that? Warren Buffett has cancer is a headline in the USA Today. And, and in 2006, he's the second richest man, and he announced that he was going to donate 85% of his $44 billion fortune to some charitable foundations. I've been campaigning for Hope Sound ever since I read that. But he commented on this extreme level of generosity, and he said, there are more than one way. Excuse me, there is more than one way. Yeah, he's, he's kind of slow. There is more than one way to get to heaven. But doing this is a great way to get there. Oh, Mr. Buffett? No, 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 no. Doesn't work that way. Peter Cobia runs a website called Heaven's Registry. And for $20, Cobia offers a guaranteed admission into heaven. Now, the police in his area considered a scam, but, but the detective working the case said, hey, it's going to be pretty hard to prove that he's wrong. You can also get a gift certificate for a cherished pet for a cost of $15. That website warns that only God knows which faults will keep us out of heaven. Picking a flower in the park, eating a grape at the market without paying for it, breaking the law by speeding or going through a stop sign, using the Lord's name in vain, or uh, committing adultery, or, or many, many more. But he says, if you buy this $20 gift certificate, you have a 100% guarantee to make it to that place called heaven. Wow. Really? And people are doing it. And Scripture is clear. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12 says, Neither is salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm closing. In January 2000, the leaders of Charlotte, North Carolina, invited Billy Graham to speak at a luncheon they were having. Mr. Graham initially hesitated to accept the invitation because he struggles with Parkinson's disease, but the Charlotte leaders persisted. They wanted him to come. They said, listen, it's not going to be a major address, Mr. Graham. Just come. We want to honor you. And so he agreed, and after some wonderful things were said about Billy Graham, he stepped to the podium, he looked at the crowd, and he said, today I'm reminded of Albert Einstein the great physicist who has been honored here in the United States many times. He said, Mr. Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle punching tickets. We don't know anything about that, do we? 
And when he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his pocket to pull out his ticket, but he couldn't find it. And so he reached into another pocket, and, and he couldn't find it, and he started searching everywhere for his ticket. And the conductor looked at him and said, uh, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm certain that you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. And Einstein nodded to him in appreciation. And the conductor continued down the aisle, punching tickets. And as he was ready to move to the next car, he looked over, and, and sure enough, Einstein's there. He's looking everywhere, everywhere for his ticket. He's, he's looking under the seat. He's asking the neighbors beside him to move, and he's looking everywhere for that ticket. And the conductor rushed back to Mr. Einstein and said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. We know who you are. I know who you are. It's no problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. And Einstein looked at him and said, Young man, I too know who I am. But what I don't know is where I am going. Billy Graham went on and he said, You see this suit I'm wearing? He says, It's brand new. My wife and my children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little sloppy in my old age, and so I went out and bought a new suit for this occasion and one more occasion. You know what that occasion is? He said, it's the suit that I'm going to be buried in. Man, isn't that a little pathetic? I feel sorry for the guy. He said, when you hear that I'm dead, I, w I don't want you to immediately remember the suit that I'm wearing, though. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, but I also know where I'm going. Young people, I've got a new suit on today. Doesn't it look nice? And the tie just perfect. If you hear that Rodney Loper died in an accident, headed south tomorrow. Or if you hear in six months that something happened and I'm no longer here, I, w I don't want you to remember that I've got a new suit on. What I want you to know is I know where I'm going. There's no doubt. Why? Because I have confidence on Him and His Word. Because I obey and love Him. Because my habits are founded upon God's Word and because I love the brethren. And friends, you can stand this afternoon, this morning, and say, I too. I have on new clothes. Of course you do. It's IHC. Everybody has on. But you can say, I don't want to be remembered for my clothes. I want to be remembered that I know where I'm going. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522 Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.